0: you know, crawl around on the creeper and grease it on the concrete instead of these rocks, you know, and I could do, I could work on other stuff while they're doing the major stuff, you know.
1: So she does just about all of it the woman behind the voice you heard at the top, describing her engine and other major mechanical shop partner who's perfectly okay with the owner-operator utilizing his shop space for routine maintenance while he does large work. It's a testament to the value owner-operators get from those close partners, which Crystal Rives has put a big emphasis on throughout the years, particularly since she went on her own with authority to haul cars in 2016. That followed almost a decade and a half hauling cars for other companies, working in the Texas oil field in-dump, side-dump, pneumatic, liquid-bulk tank. I'm Todd Dills, and today we're taking a tour through Rives, Business, and History in Trucking as part of our monthly series of podcasts and feature profiles of contenders for the 2023 Trucker of the Year Award. She's Overdrive's July Trucker of the Month, in part for a can-do approach to the work, a real do-it-yourself spirit in trucking and in life. She's out of Cleburne, Texas, south of Fort Worth, and today hauls solely intrastate after maintaining interstate authority for a time. She's built a steady base of customers among used dealers, restoration specialists, and others, hauling in a 2006 Peterbilt 379 that she calls Ruby. Yeah, it's red, and powered by a 550 Caterpillar, previous owner overhauled right before she bought it in 2019. You can find some pictures of the unit hauling a load of classic autos to the Meekum Collector's Auction in Houston this past April. A bit of a perk for her operation whenever it comes around, as she tells it.
0: That load that I sent you was like a half a million dollar load that went to Meekum Auto Auction back in April. When we dropped off the cars, we kind of got to, you know, that's that time of the year you get to go back there and look at all the cool classic cars and sometimes right. you get to Look at cars that go for two, three million dollars. Some of those real rare cars. It's like kind of a behind-the-scenes thing, you know. After you drop off, you are like, "Hey, can we go back there and check out all the cars?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go check them out." And they just right. basically let us go back there and you know look at all the stuff and take pictures of all the cool cars. And then it's cool to see them go across on the TV because I record that whenever Meekum comes through recorded on TV and I'll like oh yeah that car's cool and for like 80 grand that's better <laughs> than what they thought it would go for or you know something like that it's good to see the customers selling their cars too for what they want em, want for them because some of them you know they put a lot of time in fixing them and restoring right. them and stuff like that sure. but yeah it's pretty cool. I definitely couldn't imagine doing anything else. I mean, if riding horses all day, I could get paid as much as I could to do this, then I'd, that'd probably be the next best thing, you know, that'd be what
1: I'd do next. (laughs) She's no doubt got the bull by the horns, so to speak, with the car haul business today, though it hasn't been without its difficulty, particularly before she went on her own to serve customers directly. the previous employers, as a company driver, she was always the only woman behind the wheel, she said. And added, certainly unnecessary pressure was on in some ways.
0: They say equal opportunity, but sometimes I felt that it was it was more of a struggle just to prove that I could do the job that I was qualified. I now I have people wanting me to come and lease my truck onto them and email me constantly and about but I can't I can't do that, you know because I have customers and if I lease on with certain companies, then I can't do my customers' work that have been there sure. for me for a long
1: time. Yeah. Those customers believe in her, that's sure. As she follows through on lessons learned from her grandfather and father about doing more than just talking the talk. As I wrote in the profile, you can find via a link in the show notes for this edition of Overdrive Radio, or in the post that will house it at overdriveonline.com overdrive hyphen radio on August 7th. Just show them you can do it, her grandfather always told her, and that you can do it better than them. The chips fall where you want them, then, more times than not. On the other side of our break, we'll drop into owner-operator Crystal Rive's family history, trucking and farming. And I'll just note here that there's more time to enter the 2023 Trucker of the Year Award competition. We'll for sure be taking entries for 2023 through the end of this month. You can nominate your own business or that of an, another deserving owner-operator via overdriveonline.com page slash top trucker. That's overdriveonline.com page slash top trucker. Keep tuned. What's more powerful than a horde of Vikings? Your engine when it's treated with the best diesel additive available. How's Diesel Defender with IDX4 detergent is your warrior against low lubricity and harmful deposits. With Viking-like strength, it boosts your fuel economy and protects your engine like no other. Don't settle for the weak guy. Let Howe's Diesel Defender go to battle for you at every fill-up, and your engine will always be the champion, guaranteed. Explore even more at Howe'sProducts.com. You can find more about Howe's Diesel Defender at H-O-W-E-S, Howe'sProducts.com. Here's Crystal Rives, diving into her family's history trucking local and over the road.
0: My grandpa, he started a trucking business in the 40s and my dad he drove a truck and my big brother drives a truck and I drive a truck so it's kind of like you know it runs in the family even though I wanted to do other stuff when I was a kid or you know I wanted to be a veterinarian but for some reason it's just once you drive a truck and it's in your blood it just can't wash it out. Yes, I started my business in uh, 2016 or 17, but I hauled cars for other people. And it's just being a woman in the industry, it's like I was the only girl, and they didn't want to hire me because I was a girl and said it was too hard, I couldn't do it. And, I'm like, you're talking to somebody that grew up in a truck, so say it's too hard and I can't do it, you know. Like my grandpa always said, just show them you can do it and do it better than them. So, that was been my kind of motto thing that I've lived by. If somebody ever tells you you can't, just show them you can. and Show them you can do it better than them. <laughs>
1: sure.
0: So it was always What's, one of those things.
1: What was your grandfather's name?
0: Uh, it was uh, Paul Peekoff. Here. He started a gravel business back whenever... Uh, was younger. They owned a farm, so farming and trucking and kind of goes hand in hand. My grandpa, he passed away in 2003 and left okay. the business to my dad, and my dad is in his like 60s now, so he's retired. He's got a hernia, stu- bad okay. back from driving, so, but he, you know, he don't drive trucks anymore. They, okay. You know, my grandpa passed away, and my dad, he's can't do it no more. I remember bouncing around the back of the truck with a little tiny black and white TV and my dad's 1983-359 with a 400A model. It had that 15-speed little bitty sleeper back there. And he'd be like, watch, watch something. And we'd have like this little bitty five-inch black and white TV back there plugged in. But it, you know, and we'd stop at the cafe and get some chicken or something.
1: Right. Really?
0: But old school
1: trucking—that's
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind yeah. of one of those things, you know. You just don't see a lot of people that were taught by the old school generation, like my grandpa and my—that drove no trucks with air ride, or uh, you know, or don't you know, or they don't. People don't even know what a five and four transmission is they look at you like you're crazy but we have two dump trucks too we have a 73 kenworth with a five and four it has a nice big old 400 big cam cummins in it we have a 94 peterbilt dump truck that's just like my side hustle you know but car hauling is definitely where i've made all my money Okay. It's not easy, because if it was, everybody would be doing it.
1: On Arpeter arrives, husband, Justin, keeps on hand a couple of dump trucks that he calls the pair's retirement plan, she said. And, well, that's okay, but...
0: I've been per- staying pretty consistently busy with my car hauling. Right. So, I haven't really had to mess with the dump trucks other than just, you know, change oil on them and keep them running. Justin, he, my husband, he calls it our retirement plan. And I was like, right. ah... I was like, I mean, that's okay. Um, (laughs) But for me, you know, it's been something I've been doing since I was a little bitty kid, hauling gravel up and down, you know, from the gravel pit in the back, and I can barely reach the pedals to push the gas. And then they're like, oh, you know, we had a couple of dump trucks that just stayed on the rock pit, and one of them didn't have no brakes, as long as you knew how to downshift and, you know, kind of, put your tire in a hole you were good right? <laughs> <So. laughs> <laughs> but it, it wow. was just one of those things you know sure. we always worked on our own equipment most of the time and i learned a lot of stuff growing up and
1: how long uh, were you driving before you started uh up the business um was uh, it hauling I cars did, too uh
0: well i kind of bounced around because you know when i got my ceo when i was 18 nobody would hire me now you have to be 21 right. to get it. Nobody would hire me, you know, because they're like, oh, you can't do this. So I started driving um tanker for a little while and called side dump and end dump and bulk pneumatic. And I just, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just being the only, you know, woman, it just felt like to me that everybody was Eyes on me all the time, and it was just like they were waiting for me to mess up it, and it's just like and that's that's a lot of pressure, right. but you know I did just about everything growing up. I helped with the gravel business, I screened gravel, I ran a bulldozer deine you know, and stuff like that, so I used to know how to do all that stuff when I was growing I had to work on my truck, I changed my own oil and I climb underneath it and grease it. After about the first two times of greasing it with one that you use with your hand, you know, I, I bought me into a walled electric one. <laughs> I, was like, sure. this, I was like, this is mm-mm. a yeah, lot I mean, of work, but it definitely, if you're willing to put the time in. It pays off in the long run. Oh, I started out in just like a little... Uh, it's like a little international six car because it's all I could afford, seven okay. car, you know, and I had to basically run seven days a week just to keep the truck going and get money built up where I could definitely upgrade to something different because that international was rough. It tore my back up. It was just, you know, okay. short wheelbase, you know, trailer all the way slid out, so it makes the steering real soft and floaty when you have that kind of weight pushing down on your drive axles all the time. It makes it have soft steering, which can be dangerous if you don't, you know, know what you're doing. But I definitely, I got this truck back in, I think I got this one in 2019.
1: As a reminder, here she's talking about that 2006 Peterbilt 379 Ruby, Caterpillar powered
0: been a good truck. I've poured so much money into it to get it like I like it. I like my stuff to where I can just get in it and go, and I know it's not going to break down because I know what I've done to it. I change oil every ten thousand miles. I and all the filters and check everything constantly. I do overhead, you know, like valve adjustments every hundred to one hundred fifty thousand, and it's just been a really good, strong-running truck. Yeah, she's a 10 car if you have small stuff, but it I hold nine with it all day long, you know? When I went and picked up this truck, it, I bought it from South Carolina, Spartanburg, yeah. South Carolina. The previous owner, he passed away. He was unloading and had a massive heart attack and passed away. So it's I was bad. like, whoa.
1: Remind me, does that have that stinger set up on it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's 84 foot, all sucked in, unloaded from from nose to tip of the stinger trailer. But, right. you know, when I have it all stretched out and I got some pretty good side stuff on there, like a big old truck hanging off the nose and I only got about eight inches of window space to look out. Got my seat all the way to the floor. <laughs> which i always have it all the way to the floor anyway because i like filling my truck to make sure there's nothing wrong with it a lot of people want to argue oh that's why your back's all messed up but my dad never rode with air in his seat neither did my grandpa he probably didn't even have an air rod back when he was driving <laughs> he had to have that suspension with all the springs like the kenworth has that my husband has they don't have air airbags on in it it's all Spring suspension, so you know that's a rough riding mm-hmm. truck. You feel every bump <laughs> times 10. But yeah, she's a big old Peterbilt 06 pre admissions, got the big old 550 cab with the 18 speed. Got about 100 lights on it, roughly. Cut
1: quite a fine picture loaded with that half million dollars worth of classic cars bound for Meekham's Classics Auto auction in. Houston in April.
0: I cleaned it up for like three days before we even did that load. I washed it and kind of polished it all up and got that load and come back and take some really nice pictures. So you can't go to Mecham auto auction with all these nice cars and your truck be dirty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me about the customer base and how you built it up.
0: Everybody wants me to get more trucks and stuff, but I just, I can't find people that are as picky as I am and take as good care of their vehicles as I do. Even when I worked for other people, I always kept my stuff clean and well maintained and, and just like, Hey, you need oil change. And you'd be surprised how many people it's like, Oh no, you can go another 5,000 on that oil. And I'm like, Oh, really? Cause it's not how I was raised to run your truck till the oils burn up one day i had some guy i was working in the oil field and i had a guy call me he's like hey so-and-so retired and we don't have nobody to haul our cars and would you be interested and i said uh i'm gonna have to get a truck (laughs) so that's where it started and then i just started hauling cars
1: yeah who was that customer
0: it was auto liquidators yeah they they're real good me. They they sell good cars to people that have a hard time getting into something maybe. I've also had people steal customers from me as well so because they they thought I guess I couldn't handle their um, workload or whatever the situation or they wanted to buy into my company and I'm not looking for for that. You know what I mean? I'm not looking to own 10, 10 headaches and you know, one is enough, but the more trucks you get, the more money it costs, the more people you got to hire that you trust. And there's just not enough quality drivers for for me to want to buy another truck and risk my business, risk them wrecking or Ruining what I've established, because I'm not a greedy person. I could live with just having the one truck. I don't need 10. I don't need a whole big fleet. And I do have some friends that haul cars too. And if I get overloaded, I call them. I'm like, Hey, you want to haul some cars? And they always help me out. You know, when I get overwhelmed during tax season or something like that, I have plenty of friends that I can call to come help me. (laughs) Go down to Austin or Houston two or three times a week and. Have a lot of local stuff. I try to give them the local stuff because they like it better, and I'll go do the long distance stuff down to Houston or Buda or Austin or right. whatnot.
1: It sounds like you're you're mostly home every day.
0: Eh? Oh yeah, I'm home yeah. every night.
1: Yeah.
0: and enjoy the occasional day off during the week. And it's not really a day off because if I'm off during the week, even if it's 110 degrees outside, I'm finding something to work on on my truck. Even if yeah. it's just going through and crawling under it and checking it from nose to tip, to tail end, or just looking for anything that could become a problem, I'll yeah. fix it. And then, then I'll know, hey, you know, it's good to go for another, you know, t- I crawl underneath it every week. You just never know what could be underneath there. <laughs> sure, sure. We always greased our trucks and took care of them that's how we made our living whenever I was a kid we had uh, I think three or four of a good big rock bucket then we had a couple of two or three dump trucks and all my dad's friends ran the other ones people that he trusted because we had nice stuff it didn't start out that way it's just you know my grandpa had to start off with what he could afford and build it up from there
1: yeah he goes back all the way to the 40s in trucking yes man yeah
0: 1948 he started his business so he was in it probably before that he was he was born in 28 so he was he was pretty young he was a farmer too he he could grow anything he can grow grass on a rock i'm not even kidding (laughs) (laughs) he was a farmer and uh we still have a farm in alvarado that family runs that's where he came from grew up over there, I did get to meet his mother, my great grandmother. She was a nice lady, she was a farmer too. But we all come from that industry the farming and trucking industry, being full, you know, industry. Oh, yeah, one, so. you know, got to yeah, eat, yeah. got to have stuff transported.
1: Crystal Rives is building on that history of making all of it happen from a house out in the woods, she says around Cleburne, Texas, where it's sometimes difficult to get much of a cell signal, she added. Even hardwired internet connections can be spotty. She consequently doesn't fool around much with social media, she said.
0: You know, I thought about getting a Facebook page for my truck, yeah. but, you know, the Red Ruby of the South is what my husband calls her.
1: The... <laughs> Do you have a name for it other than that? Oh,
0: yeah, that's, I just call her Ruby because she's red. Yeah, I have a USDOT and then I have a DOT. I also have an MC to go outside the state, but I had deactivated it because I never went outside the state because right, I was being right. so busy. And it's just a lot of more stuff to keep up with for me because I do all my own stuff. A lot of people hire people to do that for them. Um, I use yeah. that Hoffner for the drug test consortium because I think they require you the DOT requires you to use a third yeah. party for that because of the federal whatever yeah. so I do use them for my drug test consortium and it's a lot of stuff like to keep up with and I do the UCR through them as well It can it can be a headache if you have multiple trucks if I had, like, 10 trucks, I'd definitely hire somebody to do all that headache work for me. Right. But since I just got the one, I could figure it out. And, yep. And I think I've only ever been stopped one time by DOT, and they're like, I'm not crawling under that. You can go.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh... They're like, no, I ain't crawling under that. Because I kid you not, I you cannot crawl underneath the trailer if you were to lay on something and try to slide underneath there you wouldn't fit if you don't if you're not like 125 pounds
1: who's the who's I'm, the manufacturer of the of the of the trailer setup that you've got
0: uh the the manufacturer oh definitely control i use control okay yeah only the best
1: yeah, they they're made right here
0: in the united states of america and georgia that just means quality and it's a 2006 model and it's in excellent condition. I've only had to replace like one major cross member on it and it was like that when I bought it. I bought this truck and it was in the shop for three months before I felt that it was road ready. So, and 30 grand. So, only spending, you know, spending 85,000 on the truck and then spending 30 grand to get it to my picky, you know, requirements to get it, where I knew it was safe. That's what it took. That's what it took. So, and it already was rebuilt. The previous owner rebuilt the motor and didn't even put like any miles on it before he passed away. So it had a overhaul from Caterpillar that cost 35 grand. I have all the paperwork for it. Mm -hmm. So I knew the motor wasn't going to be the problem not saying they did it right but i mean you know i haven't had knock on one any problems with it
1: yeah it's been going well so far yeah it sounds great
0: oh yeah it's 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 been good other than just you know doing the valve adjustments when it starts getting a little loud you just take the valve covers off and adjust everything and get it all nice and tight underneath there and The fuel mileage goes up a little bit and it's nice and quiet, sounds like a Caterpillar
1: should. Attended to the feature I wrote about Owner operator arrives which aired last week at overdriveonline.com, we spoke to one among Crystal's customers who lauded her skill and professionalism pulling for them, moving cars between storage and used auto dealer lots and more in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. To read more about the customer base, get over to the site and find that story. I'll link to it in the post that houses this podcast there when it goes live Monday, August 7th. For those of you listening via the podcast feed, look for a link in the show notes, wherever you're listening. When Robert arrives ended this past year, which she noted felt just a little slower than usual for, nonetheless at a high profit level. And that's in spite of the challenges of maintaining rates with their customers in the face of ever higher fuel prices.
0: Fuel was my biggest expense last year. and. A lot of people didn't want to go up on rates or anything like that and, or even want me to put a fuel surcharge on there. So it, it was pretty tough trying to convince some of my clients. I was like, man, I need to put a little tiny fuel surcharge on there yeah. <laughs> just to try to kind of even out the fuel. Cause I was like, man, I want to make like two or $300 off this load or, and it takes all day. But, you know, it worked out. And...
1: For owner operators just starting out or others contemplating the move to get into business for themselves, Rives offered these words, harking back again to her grandfather, Paul Peacock Sr.
0: If you're willing to put the work in and if you want it bad enough, you'll be successful. But if you're not 100% committed and you have any doubt, I wouldn't recommend it. But, right. you know, that's, that's just, you know, from experience, yeah. it doesn't matter what other people think. The only thing that matters is what you think, what you want out of life. If you want it, trust me, nothing will stop you from getting it. If you put the time in, like my grandpa always said, if you want it, you gotta go get it, because nobody's going to give it to you.
1: Clearly, when Robert arrives in her wheelhouse car hauling, as she said more than once while we talked.
0: Cool. I definitely couldn't imagine doing anything else.
1: Yet she certainly got another passion, too. One through which she serves her community of friends and family and neighbors around Cleburne, Texas in various ways. That passion stretches back to her early years growing up when she looked at trucking not so much as a career path, but a simple fact of life.
0: I never knew that I'd make a living out of it, to be honest with you. I thought I was going to go to college and a veterinarian you have a vet tech degree though so that helps with all my animals that's my other passion like animals and rescuing them and stuff like that i have four horses um two of them are babies that are two years old Uh, one of them i inherited from uh, a friend because my good friend lindal she was 84 and she passed away and so i inherited um her cult because her daughter's like i just like i don't know what i'm doing with all these animals i can't afford to take care of them and i was like well i can take the horses you know and that'll you know help you hopefully and she's like oh will you and i was like yeah i'll take them and take care of them and i got uh so i have those four i got four horses I have a bunch of rescue kitties that just showed up when they come over here and they stay, I'll, I'll take them and I get them fixed and then have a bunch of, I got like five outside cats. They're all fixed. They keep the rats out of the barn and sure. out of the house and they do their job. So I got, um, three inside kitties, one of them I found in a car underneath, uh, my husband, he was moving the car and I heard meow, meow, meow. And I was like, I hear a kitty and he's like, oh God, here we go. And, uh, I put it up on the trailer and it was up underneath the shock, you know, like the, in the spring on the shock mount, kind of, and it was a little orange and white kitty, so I brought him home. Nope. I couldn't find a home for him, so I fixed him and gave him to my daughter. So, and then I have another black and white cat that I rescued. He was a little baby. I had a bottle feed him and he rode in the truck with me for a long time until he was weaned and litter trained. And then he started staying at home and he'll be three, this 21st of this month. Uh, he would have died without me. I found him up at my mother in laws uh, in their fire. They have like a outside barbecue pit for, uh, grilling for the church. My right. father-in-law grills like a bunch of briskets or whatever, you know, for the church. Right. And he was in there, and all of his brothers and sisters were deceased, and the mother was nowhere to be found. Wow! So I heard him crying and screaming, so I rescued him. I named him TK, and um, it's like stands for a lot of different things, like Trucker Kitty or Tough Kitten. You know, he <laughs> he survived. Yeah, I bottle fed him. He laid in my lap um, while I was driving, and he would just like drink the bottle while uh. I bottle feed him while we were
1: on the road and stuff. Read more about owner operator and July trucker of the month, Crystal Rives, independent Texas intrastate car haul operation via our profile, of the business owner at overdriveonline.com. Here's a big thanks to Crystal for her time and to you for listening. I'll post a link to the larger story in the show notes wherever you're listening. Leave us a rating or review there if you haven't already, and send any direct feedback this way via our podcast message line at 615-852-8530. Always love to hear from you. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American Trumpet. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of Trucker songwriter, Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the Snake Man himself, Lemmick, Terry Tussocks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishamingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, social media coordinator, Holly Young executive editor Alex Lockie and video editors Lawson Rudisall and Andrew Gwynn. Keep it proud.